0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Welcome to Community Christian Church. It is so good to have you all here. What an awesome house to be at this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome to the online community. It is just such a pleasure to be able to share with you this morning. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Tyler Green and I'm our next generation pastor here at CCC. Me with an awesome team of volunteers and leaders, we get the honor to lead children, youth, and young adults in uh, that fickle journey that is uh, being young and lead them in the way of Jesus. And we believe that what God is doing in those ministries right now is unlike we've ever seen before. And God is clearly on the move in the next generation. We just consider it a part of it. We are excited about what God is doing. In this preparation for this week, as uh, the enemy would try to have not to get hyper-spiritual about it, but I've been battling a cold. Anybody else kind of had that cold the last few weeks and battling? All right. So I battled this cold, and on Thursday, I was laid up in bed. I'm supposed to be like sermon prepping and putting my heart into it, and I'm just like, you know, feeling gross. And I sneezed really hard. And I threw out a muscle in the middle of my back. And you know, when you're sermon prepping, you're trying to lean in and say, God, I want to hear your voice. Would you speak to me, God? And he whispered, Go to the gym. (laughs) I was like, Oh, I don't know if that one was God, my self conscious, or my wife, but somehow the voice of God was just making its way to me. Maybe I should uh, work some things out to not. Uh, pull a muscle sneezing. But I'm okay now. I'm feeling ready to go. And today we are leaning into faith. Everybody say faith. faith. We have been going through what I would call a master class of faith the last few weeks. Week one with Pastor Tony, a faith that marveled Jesus. A faith that moved the heart of Jesus. And what a faith that is. The one that caused Jesus to step back and say, wow. What a faith to have, whether it was the woman with the issue of blood or the centurion man who said, Jesus, just say the word. What trust, what faith, and even Jesus had to take a step back and acknowledge that faith. What an inspiration for us to go after. And then the next week, Pastor Chris mentioned a crushed faith. And what a timely word that as the world is, uh, seems harder and harder to deal with, and there's so many fickle things, so many ups and downs, we need a faith that endures the lows and the highs. This hope that is Jesus. This hope that gets us through the trials and tribulation. What a hope that is the rock that is Jesus that we can live on. What, uh, uh, to me, it is a very well-rounded understanding of faith. But today, I want to take a step towards God in a new direction and go after crazy faith. Anybody want to get some crazy faith this morning? Come on, listen. If the, we're ever going to see what God is doing around the world in our location, in this church, and in our communities, in our schools, we need to do something different. We got to get a little crazy. Everybody say crazy. Crazy. I just need you to hear it out of your own mouth so it's not crazy when you start living it after today. Sound good? We need to get some blood pumping in our faith body this morning. So what I'm believing God for today is that it wouldn't just be a good message, this wouldn't just be an inspiration, a shot in the arm, but this would be the on switch to a new level of faith that you would walk in in your life. That it's not just uh, another day, another Monday, another Sunday afternoon, but this would be be the ignition into the life God has called you to live from the day he awoke your heart to salvation. With that said, let's pray and we're going to dive into God's word together. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for this church. Lord, I ask right now that by your Holy Spirit that you would lead, guide, and speak to every heart in this room. God, we know that it is by your uh, power, not wise and persuasive words that, that uh, your Holy Spirit moves. So God, today, would it be not so much me, but more of you, and that God, through this, this church would be set ablaze with crazy faith. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Listen, so I want to do something a little bit uh, different. I want to dive into a pretty large scoop of Scripture today. So, I'm going to take you into your Bible. So, if you have your Bible, why don't you get that thing out. If you use your phone, that's fine. But listen, let me make a challenge. Let's bring our Bible to church. Let's get, this, uh, let's get this nice leather-bound paper thing in our hand, and let's start opening this thing up. Let's get highlighters and pens going if we need. There's something about it. People call it old school. I think it's just the way it's supposed to be. But that's all right. Hey, listen, open up to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to go through 9, a little bit of 10, a chunk of 11, and the beginning of 12. And before you freak out, listen. The way uh, the author of Hebrews says it is a lot better than the way I'm going to say it if I did it on my own. So I'd rather just go to his words. The Bible says that his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not talking about my words. It's his words. So that's what we're going to lean on this morning. So let's uh, lean in together. As you're turning to Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 11, let me give you a little context. The book of Hebrews in my humble opinion, is one of the tent post books of the New Testament. Every book is incredibly important, inerrant, Holy Spirit-inspired. But Hebrews, as well as the book of Romans, seem to give us the clearest picture of getting saved and then life post-salvation and walking it out. And uh, So scholars believe that Hebrews is actually written by Paul, even though the author is not clearly noted in this. It does give a lot of Paul vibes to it. And it gives us this very deep walkthrough of what we walk in as believers after we get saved. What does this new covenant life look like? And what I want us to look at is this new covenant life is not meant to look average. It's meant to look crazy. And that crazy faith is not just giving God your most audacious wish list. It is actually the lifestyle you live. And as a result of the life you live, crazy faith prayers start to get answered. So I'm believing for crazy faith lifestyle today. And we're going to look at it in God's word. So let's look at Hebrews 9. We're going to start at verse 11 through 14. It says, when Christ came as high priest of of the good things that are, ready, that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so they are outwardly clean." How much more so than when the blood of Christ, who through e- the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleansed our consciences from the acts that led to death, so we might serve a living God? Before we move on to this next passage, you can turn to Hebrews ten nineteen. What we get in this picture is that in the Old Testament, to be able to have access to God and His holy presence, there was ceremonial acts that had to be done. And for some of you, maybe this is review, but just really quickly, there was ceremonial religious acts through the blood of goats, calves, heifers. They needed to create a proxy to cover their sin, but it was always temporary. It was momentary. And so regularly there was festivals, annual festivals to atone for sin, but it was never sufficient enough for all time. So there had to be one perfect sacrifice, and that is Jesus, by His own holiness and perfection, He endured the cross that we might now have access to God. Let's keep going now. In Hebrews 10, 19, it says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, everybody say Confidence. Uh-huh. This is what I want to talk about, confidence, crazy faith, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, or in my words, crazy faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus gave us the access to the presence of God. And there is a thread here we need to pay attention to. That holy, assured faith, crazy faith does not happen on accident. It comes by the presence of God, through the Word of God, and by the completed work of Jesus on the cross. I love Pastor Tony. Last Easter, we had that big curtain here on the stage, and he painted this picture for us that when that curtain was torn in two, it was not just symbolic. It was a very real uh, explanation of what was happening. God is now accessible to us. And by the precious blood of Jesus, we can enter His courts with confidence, with an assured faith. And in my words today, with crazy faith. We can approach His throne boldly. So now that we've seen what we can do, let's look at the lives of the people who have actually lived this crazy faith. I want to look at Hebrews 11, and we're going to jump through a few passages, so track along with me. We're going to start at Hebrews 1. Hebrews 11:1. 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This confidence assured faith. We don't see it. We don't have the beginning, middle, and end. We might only get parts, but there's this confident faith that is meant to be a lifestyle. And then the author of Hebrews then goes on to say, you know who did this? These people. Let's take a look at some of them. Hebrews eleven seven, 7, just a few verses down. I just want to go through a few of these stories. Hopefully this arouses your faith to say, God, if you'll do it for them, you'll do it for me. Let's look at Hebrews 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, he was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from his one man, and he, uh, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. In just a moment, I want us to skip uh, over to verse 17, but just pause here for a second. We see the faith of these incredible men of God, and uh, every statement is started with this powerful uh, launching pad, by faith. Noah did not start putting hammer to nail on accident. He didn't do it out of a hope so or a 51% chance. He did it because the word of God came out of heaven and said, Noah, you are set apart in a corrupt and uh, messed up world. And God said, I'm going to reestablish my covenant with you. Will you obey? And so the author of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, by faith, Noah built. Noah built. Let's keep looking I want to go to verse 17 I just want to read a few more for you By faith Abraham When God tested him Offered Isaac as a sacrifice He who had received the promises Was about to sacrifice his one and only son Even though God said to him It is through Isaac that your offspring Will, bri- will be reckoned Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead And figuratively speaking He did receive Isaac back from death by faith isaac blessed jacob and esau in regard to their future by faith jacob when he was uh, when he was dying blessed joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on his staff by faith joseph was the end as the end was near spoke about the exodus and the israelites from egypt and gave instructions about his bones just a few more by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born because, there was no, uh, because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. This is so powerful in verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He walked by faith, not by sight. Just a few more. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people of Israel passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had marched around them for seven days. By faith, God moved mountains upon mountains in the lives of his people to see his will done. The same God who would split the sea. The same God who would call Moses, set him apart, and lead him and lead him with Holy Spirit power. The same God who would speak to Abraham and say, leave your family, go this way. That same God is speaking today, and he's knocking on our hearts. But our job is to do exactly what they did. Live by faith. Now we see this and we say by faith, and we get the the benefit of seeing these things in hindsight. This is the highlight reel, because they've already happened. But the thing is, in their life, it took faith because it hadn't happened yet. Noah started building before that first drop of rain came. Abraham left his family and moved to another part of the country, even though that was culturally unheard of. He still did it. All of these things happened without the knowledge of what would come. It was just faith in God's promises and goodness. And can I tell you that those promises that God made to them exist for you today? That God is faithful to start a work in you and bring it to completion. That God is faithful to be near to the brokenhearted. He's faithful that by his stripes that we can be healed. That he is faithful to step in and not leave us or forsake us. He is faithful. That His plans and purposes for you are good and not evil. That He has plans to see you uh, have hope. But our job is to take that step of faith. Let me read this one last passage here in Hebrews 12, 1-3. This is the commissioning now for us. We learned how we get it. We learned what it looks like to walk in it. Now here's the commissioning for us, Hebrews 12. Therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our what? The author and perfecter of our faith. This crazy faith that we want to live in, this crushed faith that we want to endure with, this faith that marveled Jesus, who gave it to us? God the Father, the author and finisher of it. And how do we get that? It says, fix our eyes on Jesus. Can I tell you, there's not enough hype YouTube videos, there's not enough pre-workout, there's not enough coffee in the world to get you hype enough to have crazy faith. It is simply by gazing upon Jesus. It comes by gazing upon Jesus. So when we talk about having crazy faith today, I'm going at it with a little bit of a different mantra. I, don't, I know that we all have the laundry list, the wish list before God. God, would you do this? Would you fulfill this? Would you meet this need? Would you touch this person? Would you heal this thing? And I don't ever want to uh, minimize that. What I want to do is take the step prior to the request and say, God, here is all of me. And in that posture, the fruit of gazing upon Jesus is crazy faith. That when we ask, the Bible says when we ask in His name, what will happen? It'll be done. It doesn't happen when we're just off willy-nilly. It happens when we are fixed upon Jesus. I hope we can get that this morning. I got this one-point sermon basically that everything about crazy faith boils down to focusing on Jesus. Let me read this last verse I didn't get to. Verse 3 in uh, Hebrews 12. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Crazy faith endures, it lasts. It's not a flash in the pan, it's not emotions. Those things happen. We get those roller coaster high highs, those altar moments, those worship. Jesus, yes, we get those. But what does crazy faith do? It endures despite what we see. We all have those. When I was 16 years old. My family had been attending this church for some time, and uh, we were just wrapping up the phase one days. I was like 12, 13 at that time, and a youth group would meet out at the garage, which is now the food pantry. And I remember just getting my faith stirred, but I was still kind of one foot in the world, one foot in church. And you would say, Tyler, you're 12. Like, what does that even look like? Listen, 12, 13, 14, 15, you can get into some trouble. Anybody with teenage boys, preteen boys, you know what that can look like. And so for me, I wanted to live one foot in, one foot out. And at 16 years old, I found myself at this crux, this fork in the road. Do I pursue the way of the world or do I follow the call of God on my life that I didn't even know I had yet? And so I found myself at youth group on a Wednesday night begrudgingly because my dad dragged me there. And at that moment, I had all of these plans to basically continue this life in the world, and then God met me, and I found myself face down at the altar, and God spoke. Can I tell you, crazy faith often comes in response to a few ways. An encounter with God, maybe you're like Paul on the road to Damascus, and God just meets you. He stops you dead in your tracks, and you can't help but acknowledge God is moving. Sometimes it's a word from God. Maybe it's something that stands out. You're reading your Bible and it just pops off the page and captures your heart. Maybe it's something in a sermon or maybe there's a moment that God just speaks to your heart and everything changes. And maybe it's through the discipleship and through proximity to believers and you just start to get to the end of yourself and you say, God, I want what they have. Whatever that process is, there eventually comes a point where you step over the line and in the game. Now here's the thing, getting into the game now requires a little bit from you. It's total and utter reliance and crazy faith in Jesus. So at that point at 16, I had my come to Jesus moment, I give my life to Jesus, and then I went to school the next day. And I didn't really know what to do with that, and I talked to my parents, and my mom who's not really a believer, my dad is, but I, I'm trying to explain this radical call, like God, Dad, when I was at the altar, God met me, and he, I, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but something happened. He goes, cool, buddy. Like, he's happy. He prayed with me, but you know, have you ever tried to explain an encounter with God to somebody else? Unless it, they were there, it's hard to kind of put it into words. And so I found myself wrestling with this, and then God gave me this clear word to go into ministry at 16 years old, and then everything changed. And I started to uh, get mentored by Pastor Chris. I go off to college. I'm at this Christian college that was a miracle in and of itself. I start preaching. I became an apprentice under an evangelist, preaching around uh, South America and just seeing God move in the jungles of Peru. And then I come back. That ministry dissolved, unfortunately, and life happened. I got married to Darlene, and life was awesome. But it felt like the ministry road ended. I needed to pay bills. I'm taking care of a family. And God, what do I do? And there came this fork in the road moment where I was offered a job at a uh, marketing creative agency in Birmingham, and as I'm about to take that job, I get a phone call from Pastor Tony saying, hey, would you be interested in running our children's ministry? And to be honest, in terms of uh, worldly uh, influence… If I had to choose, I would have thought the marketing agency. In terms of pay, I would have thought the marketing agency. All of these things kind of pointed that direction in terms of what made logical sense, until I I brought it to the Lord. And God made it abundantly clear, God, God said, go this way. Set those things aside. Are you willing to do that? Would you take the step of crazy faith? That's not the way I saw myself getting into this game, but God took me there. I said, God, what the heck? I was preaching in front of uh, hundreds and thousands in Peru, and now I'm trying to wrangle three-year-olds to listen to the gospel, and God said, yeah, you are. It's crazy faith. God is taking us all on a journey. That's just my story though. What God is doing in your life is asking, will you be obedient to His call on your life? So maybe some of you in this room, you would say, Pastor Tyler, I hate my job. I can't stand it. I don't know what to do. Bring it to the Lord. He will give you direction, and He will give you the impression on your heart what that next step is. And then when He gives you that impression, that's when you take the step and say, "All right, God, by crazy faith, this is the next step, or by crazy faith. I'm going to stay. I need to be here. God, by crazy faith, I need to start serving in this thing. God, by crazy faith, I feel that you are impressing me to go in this direction, to give towards this thing, to make this sacrifice to not do this and do this, or to cut these things out of my life, to lean more in on this. We're all probably pretty good at getting the impression of what we should do. Here's what I'm asking you now. Will we lean in enough to say, God, you're worth it to actually do it? To take the crazy faith step. I think back to Noah. He gets this word from God, and we don't necessarily get the impression that God kept talking. And uh, scholars believe that that ark could have taken anywhere from 70 to 150 years to build. And often I feel like when we get a word from God, we wait about seven minutes and we say, God, where's my answer? What if God said, I want to build your faith in the waiting? I love it the way Pastor Tony mentioned this a couple weeks ago. That crazy faith is not even just the result. It's the faith to endure in the waiting. It's the faith to endure in the crushing. It's the faith to endure every season of life. Crazy faith is total and utter reliance. Taking your hands off of the wheel and saying, God, it's yours. Can I tell you, Abraham was probably a really good businessman and probably had all the opportunity to be very influential outside of the will of God. But can I tell you, when God gets involved, things change. It comes by an encounter. It comes by a conversation with God. Now for some, maybe in this room, the idea of a conversation with God sounds very foreign. It sounds, uh, I don't know if I would ever do that. I don't know if I've ever had that. Today is your opportunity to have that conversation with God. Say, God, what do you want to speak to me on? My heart is open. I need to hear this. Listen, friends, trying to do this life without God will, get, will wear you down, and it's only by the renewing power of the gospel, the renewing power of the Holy Spirit that we can actually walk this crazy faith thing out. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three ways that we can get crazy faith. Here's how we get this. We know we have access through it by the blood of Jesus and through the un- uninhibited access to God's presence. We know that it is possible because we've seen people do it. We see people around us doing it. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, so we know it's possible. Now let's get this stuff. Number one, walk in radical obedience to Jesus. Everybody say radical. radical. Depending on what decade you came up through, radical has a few different terms, uh, uh, definition, but radical obedience to Jesus, uh, radical obedience to God. Can I tell you? It's crazy to think, but even Jesus needed to walk in crazy faith. Let me tell you why. Jesus, at the day he was going to die, he found himself in a conversation with the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, in a conversation with God. And upon the final hours, he said, Father, if it be your will, take this from me. Any other way, please. But not my will, your will be done. This is a crazy faith conversation that we all may find ourselves in, saying, God, I don't know if I can do this. God, I don't know. There was a time when I I was thrust into youth ministry. It was in a situation we just needed a youth pastor, and then God settled it in Darlene and I's heart to take over. And I remember freaking out. God, I can't do this. These teenagers are going to run me right out of the building. I'm not cool. I don't know how to dress cool enough. I don't know how to talk their language. I don't know how to do this but God, if your will, let's do this. And then God settled it in my heart and we've seen the fruit of obedience to God. And the fruit is meant to be in all of our lives. So walk in radical obedience to Jesus. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by faith and not by what? Sight. Sight. That means we won't know the plan. Let's just Let's just embrace that fact. Crazy faith means we don't get the schematics, we don't get the ABC step plan. We just take the first step. And in that first step, God says, "I got the rest." Church, can we be a can we be a community of believers that says, "God, I don't need the whole plan." Are we willing to get crazy again? Are we willing to get this crazy faith and wake up from our complacency and say, "God, we're willing to put ourselves out there on the limb." When Elijah was confronting the prophets of Baal, the wickedness of the world around him, he put God to the test and said, you call on the, the, uh, the prophets of Baal. Call on your God and see if the, the altar gets burnt up, and then I'll call on my God. God didn't give him the ABC plan on that. He just gave him the crazy faith to walk. And so, Elijah steps up and confronts them and says, no, I want to soak these altars with water, pour more on it. And when Baal didn't show up to light their altar on fire, God showed up and consumed it entirely, dried up all of the water, and He showed off to a world that didn't want to believe. Why? Because of crazy faith of someone willing to step out on a limb. Will we be the same? Will we step out on a limb where it is God and God alone because our plan B of us inhibits everything? We need to get plan A, God, and nothing else. That's the only way we can do this. 30 years ago when this church was founded, it was plan A or bust. There was no backup plan. And as a result of that crazy faith 30 years ago, we have seen God move miracle after miracle after miracle as a result of the faithfulness of a couple of people willing to say yes, That's crazy faith. So are you willing to walk in radical obedience? Number two, are you willing to develop and protect the intimate and secret place with God? You have to develop it. That means if you don't have it, let's get started. I know, I, I don't, it's just the reality of it. You have to get in this thing. This is the life source. Like I said, there isn't enough coffee in the world to keep you happy. It's only this book. It has to be living and active. Can I tell you, you can gloss your eyes over the page in religious action, and that's good to a certain extent. There's just the discipline of doing it, but just glossing your eyes over it isn't feeding your soul. You have to meditate on this. Are you willing to hear from God? And then you have to protect it. The enemy would love nothing more than for everything else to get in the way. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We get crazy faith when God speaks. Whether it's Noah, Abraham, Moses, all of Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith is a response to a spoken word from God. CCC, God is speaking to us right now, and he is saying, will you humble yourselves and pray? He will heal our land. He will send revival if we will pray. We're seeing it all over the country right now. God is moving in supernatural ways across education institutions, youth groups, churches, all over the country, all over the world, and he's doing it through humble prayer. Will we respond and take this crazy step of faith and say, God, we will respond in faith to the spoken word you've given us. I remember during prayer and fasting, Connie Bauer came up on that Thursday, and she gave us this prophetic word saying, we have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Crazy faith doesn't feel like your normal routine. It means getting out on a limb and saying, God, it's, it's all you now, and then watch him do it. We have to be willing to take this step and get uncomfortable. Last, last point here, point three. Carry yourself in the fear of God rather than the fear of man. Crazy faith only looks crazy to those without faith. Amen. To the people of faith, it's just faith. Noah looked crazy to the world until the rain came. Now it looks like faith. Abraham looked crazy when he left his, uh, left his family and went the other way until he was separated from a, a city that God had to uh, remove. It only looked crazy as Moses confronted Pharaoh, the biggest world superpower at the time, and said, let my people go. That looks crazy to everybody else until it happens. What if we leaned in and said, God, I'm standing on your word, and I'm going to look crazy, and it's going to look crazy until it's faith, until it happens. I will stand in faith. If that's praying for that sick person in your family, that's believing God for your finances, that's believing God for the breakthrough you need in your life that's believing God for your lost uh, uh, family members, that's believing God for a vision for your life. It's saying, God, I will stand on it even if everybody thinks I'm crazy. I will stand because it's faith. It's not crazy. We need to stand on it and live in the fear of God alone, not the fear of man. Listen, I'm telling you— the, the Bible tells us that the wisdom of God will confound the wisdom of man. What we believe in will not make sense to the world. We're seeing it all over the place. What we do here, the world can't make heads or tails of it. It's because they think we're crazy. We call it faith. We believe in a crazy faith, impossible, moving God. We believe in the God of the impossible, and we can only do that by crazy faith. Are we willing to go there, friends? We get there by gazing upon Jesus. Yes, amen. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Listen friends, the news flash, our life isn't ours anymore. You said yes to Jesus, he, you accepted the blood of Jesus over your life, and He said, your life is mine now, and I give you my life. Our life is not our own. So that means our faith now is meant to embolden the will of God in your life, not just our wants and needs. God is very aware of those things, and He will give those as a byproduct of your faith. But first and foremost, we are living as Christ alive in us, not us first. This is where I want us to go. As a result of crazy faith, we don't get there on accident. We don't get there just because of our wish list. We get there by being crucified in Christ and being living sacrifices, fully surrendered to God alive in us. That's where we're going, church. That's where God is taking the church right now, and that's where we need to go. In Jesus' name. The band, you guys can come on out. In just a moment, we're going to worship. And, you know, it's easy to sing songs of testimony. And I want, and there is that. But what I want us to do first and foremost, I want us to set us up for long-standing crazy faith. I want us to get close to Jesus this morning. I want us to get close to Jesus. The only reason Peter said he could get out of that boat and walk was because he walked with Jesus. The only reason that they thought that they could cast out demons, heal the sick, was because they walked with Jesus. Other than that, they look crazy. Friends, we are meant, the Great Commission tells us to go, heal the sick, make disciples, cast out devils, and to walk in heavenly authority. We don't do that on accident. We do it by being close to Jesus. So where does crazy faith come from? It's the presence of God, yeah. It comes by the presence of God. And as we move into this time of worship, I just want to give this word, as I was praying I felt like God was giving me this very clear impression that God is purifying our faith. Purifying it from our fleshly desire, and He's reorienting what we're praying for. I'm telling you, the breakthrough, the miracles, signs, wonders that we need in our life will come. But I believe God is setting us up to seek Him and Him alone first. If we can go there, I believe that our pursuit of Jesus, the byproduct is revival rather than seeking revival first. Let's become a Jesus first revival as a byproduct church. As we've seen at Asbury, Lee University, Cedarville is seeing a revival right now. ORU, I just saw they've been on like 30 straight hours of worship lately. Even our youth group when we went to camp, Listen, I took seventh graders, and we did an hour and 45-minute altar call, and they didn't want to leave. I saw seventh grade boys with tears in their eyes, worshiping. I saw ninth grade boys raising their hands, saying, God, I give you my whole life. I saw girls saying, God, my whole identity is found in you, and we couldn't leave. This is not a manufactured. This isn't just emotions. This isn't just really good music. This is when God shows up, and we say, Jesus, do your thing. Church, that's what we're all about is seeing God move. And the more we get close to that stuff, it's like a supercharge to your spirit. You start to believe in the impossible. So, church, could we lean into a time of worship here? I want us to just zero our hearts in. Can we zero our hearts in? And can we draw close to the Lord this morning? I don't know what you walked in with and I don't know where your faith is at this morning. Maybe you feel at zero or less than zero. Maybe you're on fire for the Lord, I don't know, wherever you're at in that spectrum. But today God is asking that our faith rise by proximity to Him. And so in just a moment we're going to sing this song, Be With Me. And I believe crazy faith comes as a result of that prayer. Jesus, would you just be with me? And through proximity, that crazy faith is just the byproduct. It's the fruit. So God, we love you. We ask that you would move in power in this and that you would speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.